Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be learning about uh, authentication in NGRX. So it should be pretty exciting. Look forward to it as usual. Let's say hi to our panelists and then we'll meet our guests and then we'll get on to the content. Joining us today, we've got Bonnie. Bonnie, what's going on? Whole lot of nada. I'm glad to be here. I missed Angular Air last week and I think we did, we missed an Angular Air. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a while. I missed you guys. We all missed you too. And I'm sure our viewers missed you as well. So it's great to have you back today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mike's with us. Mike, what's going on? I'm not muted. Hey, <laughs> what's going on? Happy to be here. Happy to chat with Sam. Hey, Do you spoiled our learning. guest. That's my job. I, all I did was say his name. It's on the screen. <laughs> all right. So our guest is Sam. Sam's joining us today. Sam, how's it going? It's going so good. So good. Sam, I was panicking for a minute there because right before we went live, you just like dropped off the podcast. It was like, what are we going to do today? So yeah. Fun, but then you were back and it was, whoa. Oh, yeah, I had a had a mouse slip there and disconnected myself. <laughs> we recovered though; that's good. Sam, do you want to uh, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself uh, for those that might not know? Sure. Here? Yeah, and this is actually my first time on Angular Air, uh, which is awesome. But I, uh, so I'm Sam Julene, and I am a senior develop developer advocate engineer at Auth0, which is a very long title for developer relations, uh, which basically means I do a lot of teaching and speaking and uh, trying to learn how developers are using Auth0 and make the product better as best I can. Uh, I also do a lot of video courses. So I've, I've made courses for, I've made a, a I made an upgrade course for ng-upgrade a few years back uh, that I hosted myself. And then I've made content for Thinkster and for Egghead and other things as well. Um, so yeah, I love teaching and happy to be here. We're stoked to have you. That that uh, upgrade course, that's pretty extensive, isn't it, I, I believe? I don't think there, I, there's not much out there that's more comprehensive about ng-upgrade. Um, so, I made the course that I wanted to exist. So, and it, it's still it's still kicking. There are still people buying it and using it and coming up to me at conferences and telling me that they used it at pro on projects and stuff. So it's very gratifying. It's pretty solid. I don't I don't remember a time before your upgrade course. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it blows my mind that you haven't been on Angular Air before because you've been everywhere the last couple of years and I've seen you everywhere and I've seen you all over the place and it's like how have you not been here? Yeah, I don't know. But I'm I just glad never... you're here. Yeah, just never happened. So you're gonna teach us some cool stuff. Yeah, so I th I thought today I could go through um, a presentation that I've given uh, I gave at Angular Mix and I'm gonna be giving at NG India about uh, called demystifying token authentication in NGRX. Um, uh, Auth0, I didn't mention Auth0 is a, a, an identity provider. It's identity as a service, basically. So logging in and user management and stuff like that. Uh, so authentication is like one of our focus areas, obviously. And so I found that when I was initially researching NGRX authentication, there weren't really any examples out there that used anything more than just a login and password. Uh, which nobody in the real world really uses a login and password for authentication. So 
I built this talk as a way to help people understand just the flow of uh, token authentication in NGRX. So I'll go ahead and share my screen. And then is this for not only the authentication, uh, but also then like um, access to different elements, like what you have in terms of permissions and things like that? Does that incorporate that as well? Or is it just the kind of authentication? Part? So in this talk, all we're going to go through is sort of the initial like login and log out and how that works with state and effects and all that kind of thing. Um, and it ends up being a lot of content, just just trying to cover that first part. Um, so yeah, and we can we can interact and ask questions and things like this. It'll be a very chill, low key presentation. So feel free to ask questions. Awesome. Are you ready for me to bring your screen in? Yeah, go for it. Okay. And if I hit play here can you see can you see the slide yep awesome you, oh, let me hide. I think you can hit the yeah and, and, cool and then, cool so yeah so <laughs> demystifying token authentication in ngrx so sometimes people have this experience where they build out this mvp for their boss um, that uses NGRX and they're really excited. Anytime you learn NGRX for the first time, you're very excited. You're, you've, you've become a convert to the Redux pattern. And so you, you build out this prototype for your boss and you're so excited to show it to them. And then your, your boss kind of looks at it and it's sort of like, well, this is cool and everything, but how do we, how do I log in? How do I get this to work with our actual production code that not just like any random person can use. And immediately you're uh, both crestfallen and terrified because you really have no idea what to do about authentication in NGRX. Does it work the same way as in Angular? Does it work like some other JavaScript thing? And truthfully, I, I, think, I think there's a double panic that ensues because just by itself, authentication is sort of a big, scary subject that has a lot of jargon or vocabulary, depending on how you want to look at it. You know, things like OAuth and OIDC and token and JWT and all these things. So that in and of itself is a little bit daunting um, for developers. And then you throw in NGRX, and NGRX is also a big, scary subject with a lot of jargon or vocabulary, depending on how you look at it. You know, you've got reducers and effects and uh, actions and state and just all kinds of things. There's a lot of things that you have to keep track of. So then when you combine the two, it can get really, really overwhelming. And it's sort of like somebody just dumped a big box of puzzle pieces on your desk and expected you to figure it out all on your, on your own. So, what I wanted to do is kind of help people understand that your, your intuition of, of whether authentication in NGRX is going to look the same as uh, that in just regular Angular is a good intuition because the, the authentication piece will look different in NGRX than it will in Angular. And the root of that is really because feature development in NGRX looks different than feature development in, in regular Angular. We don't really approach adding a feature the same way 
in NGRX that we do when we're just adding a feature to regular Angular. So authentication is really no different in that. So in this talk, we're just sort of going to cover that that authentication has a different mental model than what you're used to in vanilla Angular. So that's what we want to talk about. So I can skip over most of this. I already introduced myself. Um, and the only interesting thing about me is that I live on a farm in Washington with chickens and llamas and things like that. So and like Amy. we said, authentication. <laughs> yeah, and Amy. <laughs> Don't forget about Amy. She's the best. She's the lifeblood of the small organic farm. <laughs> so I, as I said, authentication in NGRX looks different than authentication in vanilla Angular. And so that's what we want to look at today, this morning, tonight, depending on where you are. <laughs> um, so feature development in NGRX looks different than feature development in vanilla Angular. And what do I really mean by that? What does the architecture look like? So we're going to look at some of the building blocks of just building out different features in NGRX. And along the way, we'll compare that to Angular. And this will all be pertaining to authentication. So if we look at sort of the, the building blocks of a, an authentication flow, typically what you have is you have this button that somebody clicks to log in, or the login starts as soon as you open the application, depending on what you're doing. And then you get sent over to some sort of provider, some sort of authentication service. And then that authentication service sends you back to your application. And you have to do some sort of handling of that redirect. And then that redirect, you're either going to have some sort of success or error. So maybe you're getting the token there. Uh, maybe you're getting a user profile. Uh, and then you're going to have to figure out what to do with either a success case or an error case. So when we go to implement that in regular Angular, typically what we do is we put a lot of logic into an authentication service. And the authentication service is where most of these methods live to handle this life cycle of logging in. So we have this big authentication service, and it's interacting with our components. And that authentication service and the components are also interacting with our data services. So for example, if we need to add our token to a header in order to hit a protected API, then the data services are probably going to pull the token from the authentication service and deliver that data to the components. So that's sort of how we look at it in regular Angular. When it comes to NGRX, though, it's a little bit different. Because rather than having this big authentication service that is interacting with both the services and the components, we have a different architecture. And it looks a little bit like this. We've got our reducers that are uh, delivering our state to our components. And then we've got things like effects that are handling side effects. And the authentication service sort of lives next to the effects. And it's more of a thin layer that live next to the effects. So let's look at that transformation one more time. We've got the, the big auth service interacting with the data services and the components. And then in NGRX, we've got the auth service more like this thinner layer that is on top of the effects or interacting with the effects. And then the rest of our NGRX application looks pretty much the same. And this is sort of akin to comparing walking to riding a bike. So you've got 
vanilla angular is a little more linear, a little more like walking and NGRX is a little bit more like riding a bike because you have these different interactions that are happening at the same time, like a chain causing a wheel to move. And you can go a lot farther and a lot faster on the bike, but it takes a lot more to set up and maintain and, and deal with that way. It's more powerful, but a little bit more work. So when it comes to NGRX, we typically like to break things down into our state and our side effects. So what does that really mean? So state is usually what do I need to keep track of? And side effects means what kind of events happen that don't directly change the state. They're, they're important to the application in some way, but they don't directly change the state. So for example, if we had like a video game collection application, we might have our video game collection in our state, and then we'd have a side effect of needing to call the API to go get the collection. Even though that call returns the collection that ends up in state, the call itself is a side effect. Similarly, if we were trying to keep track of the video game ownership, we might have to make a call to the API, like a post call to add the game to the collection, but that in and of itself isn't affecting the state. The call to the API is just a side effect of having to do that. So that's state. And when we think about authentication in NGRX and state, what is the stuff that we actually need to keep track of? And then furthermore, where do we actually keep it? So in NGRX, you might know that you keep state in the store. And that's, of course, true with authentication, since authentication is just a feature like anything else. So what goes in the store when it comes to authentication? Well, let's look at our login flow. You're going to see this diagram a lot. So we have our start login, which could be through a button of some kind. And then we get sent over to the provider. And then the provider sends us back to the application. And we have to handle that redirect somehow. And then that handle redirect usually has either some sort of success happen where we get our token or something, and or it has some sort of error. So usually in the success is where we have the stuff that we need to put into the store. And that usually looks like something like this. We have whether or not the user is authenticated. We usually have some sort of user profile or ID token. And then we have some sort of access token that we'll use to hit our APIs. And so these are the things that we'll typically need to put into the store. Now we also sometimes we'll have like a redirect URL and that does not necessarily need to be kept in the store because we might be acting on that as a side effect later. So we'll come back to the redirect URL. So in vanilla Angular, how do we typically implement this? Well, in regular Angular, we typically put everything into the auth service. The auth service basically handles all of this and stores all of this stuff. So for example, let's say we have in, in regular Angular, and I've omitted the decorator for the sake of space, but let's say we have this authentication service in regular Angular. We might want to keep track of a Boolean of is authenticated. We might have, we might use behavior subjects to keep track of the user profile and also the access token. And so that way we can, we can translate those behavior subjects into observables that then the rest of the application can subscribe to and make sure that they're getting the most up-to-date user profile and access token. So that's how that looks in regular Angular. 
In NGRX though, instead of using behavior subjects, that's where we use the store. So we would have our state interface and in the state is where we would keep things like our is authenticated Boolean and our user profile and our access token. And just one quick note, make sure that whatever you're doing, whether you're using vanilla Angular or NGRX, don't keep your access tokens in local storage. It can be vulnerable to different types of attacks. That used to be the recommendation, but it's not anymore. I can't ever hear local storage without picturing Mike Brocky as a cookie monster. <laughs> it's just burned in my memory forever. But that's, I'm not sorry. <laughs> what, what, when, when was that again? What, what year was that? 2015, Mike? I was 2015, 2016. I was a police officer. Pascal was a parrot. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember and that. Mike Brocky was a cooker, cooker monster. I yeah. don't remember the year. It was like 2017 or 2017. Yeah. I just can never hear local storage again without Mike Brocky as a cookie monster. It's a joyful memory, though. Maybe Mike can say his line from that right now. Yeah, Mike, you know you remember this. I, yeah, but apparently I couldn't remember it on stage or get the X out. <laughs> well, Shyness is getting mad at all of us. Don't worry. It's, there's yeah. a lot of pressure working with Shyness. Local storage. That's awesome. We'll behave ourselves. No, it's great. I love it. I love the interaction. No, thank you for the pro tip, by the way, on that to not use local storage. Nice. Except. Doing my job. I mean, except for authentication, you can use local storage for authentication. Yeah, yeah, you can you can use local storage for other things. With, this is just don't keep your deal. your access token is a sensitive piece of data, and you don't want to keep it anywhere in the in the just browser. Pass it in the URL, Sam. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, just pass it in the URL. It's fine. <laughs> so we've looked at our state interface. Hold on, just for clarity, you guys. Oh, yeah. I'm kidding. Don't pass it in. <laughs> yeah, you can never don't be too careful. <laughs> Uh, so we know what we have to keep in our state. So now what messages do we need to send around the state? So let's think that through. What actions do we need? That's basically actions in NGRX translate into the messages that you need to send to um, your store, basically. So actions. So my friend Mike Ryan likes to say that actions are the gluten of the NGRX loaf, which I And then agree bread with. and groans. <laughs> yeah. Which makes it so much funnier. <laughs> yeah. I think he uh, does it just to bother Brandon. Oh, I, I think most of what Mike says is just to bother Brandon, and it's I, very entertaining. The man hurts watch. Brandon, the funnier it is. I'm sorry, Brandon. But it's yeah. Hilarious. I love those guys. Their banter is top notch. <laughs> I used to be scared of them when I first met them because I was so intimidated, but they're just the nicest guys in the world. Yeah, they're, they're collectively. A lot of a lot of intelligence between the two of them, but they're also very, very down to earth and happy. I feel to like you and Mike anything. Ryan look more and more like each other every time I see you two together. What's yeah. going on there? I don't know. Amy calls Mike my my baby twin brother, basically. I, I see that. It, yeah. Like the more time you spend with him, the more you guys look like you're related. It's pretty funny. I think it's the beard too. Yeah, the beard definitely helps. <laughs> so. So actions basically break down into two different types, roughly. You usually have actions that are either related to events happening 
or they're related to state changes. That's sort of the, the, the main two categories. So let's look at the events first. So again, if we go back and look at our flow here, we've got starting the login, logging into the provider, and handling the redirect, and then the success and the error. So we're going to need actions around those events. So let's look at some of those. So we're going to, of course, need actions for logging in and logging out. And we're going to need an action for handling the redirect. And I should mention, I you can see I'm namespacing those actions in the description under authentication. And then we're also going to need actions for handling the success and the error. So you can see, I don't have my zoom in on, on these slides. I got to fix that. But uh, you can see that the, the success action has a prop of the target route, which is that redirect URL. And then the error has the prop of the error as a string. And then you can do whatever you want to do with it. Now, your error might be a, an object or these, these, pro these uh, payloads might change. But this is sort of the basic idea of having an action for each of these events. You can call them props or payloads. I've seen them called payloads. You can call them props or payloads, same thing. Well, so this is using the, the, the action creator uh, syntax in NGRX 8, and they they use the, the the props as the payload, basically. So I guess it sort of depends. The, the, the props function there is the payload. Um, so it's probably better to refer to them as a payload. Um, but that's what that is. So we've talked about the events one. Let's look at actions that might happen have to happen around state changes. So again, looking at our, our flow here, there's not much state happening here. And there's actually not much state happening here. All the state changes are really revolving around the success, especially with the is authenticated and the user and the token. Uh, and then the redirect URL we mentioned probably won't have to keep it in store, in the store. So if we go back and look at our state again. We've got is authenticated and the user profile and the access token. And around those, we're going to need some actions. We're going to need an action to, to load the user and to notify whether that was successful. And then that's going to have a payload of the actual user. And then we're also going to need similar ones for checking the authentication. So we need to know whether the user is logged in. Now, one thing I forgot to mention earlier is some people derive is authenticated from whether or not there's a user profile present. Now, whether you do that kind of depends on what your authentication service is and how critical it is that that's um, protected. Because it is possible theoretically, to have a stale user stored somewhere and not be authenticated on the authentication server. So I personally prefer to keep is authenticated as something that I get from my authentication service and not derived from whether, whether or not there's a user present in memory. But that sort of depends on your use case. So in this, in this example, we're going to use our own is authenticated property that's coming from the authentication service somehow. Um, so, so we're going to need to check whether the user is authenticated. And that's to do things like whether or not to display log in or log out or control other elements of the UI. 
um, be able to access different routes, things like that. So we'll have a, an action just for checking the authentication. So that'll just trigger whatever function we're using to check it. And then we'll have one for a success that will set that Boolean. And then we'll also set, have an action for a failure, basically saying that it's not authenticated. And that way we can control different parts of the UI all from the centralized state. And likewise, we're going to need something similar for our access token. So we're going to have a get token. We're going to have an action for the successful acquiring of the token with the payload of the token. And then we'll have an action for the failure. So we've, we've established the actions. We know what's in the store. We know what messages to send around the store. But where does the state actually change? And that's where we come into reducers. So we're going to need to define some reducers for our authentication state. Now, this is interesting because there's actually not as much happening in state as there is with the rest of the flow. And, and we're going we're gonna to see that a little bit later as we figure out what the side effects are. So we've got our create reducer function. This is the NGRX8 syntax. And we're only going to need a handful of these. So we're going to need a reducer statement for the check auth. And that can be used for both check auth, auth success and set not authenticated. And that way, we can just set our is authenticated state through the reducer. And we're going to need a, a reducer case for load user success that changes the user in the state. And then we're going to need one for get token success, where we're going to need to change the access token in the store. Now, we could do, um, I'm omitting for the sake of time, some of the error cases. You might want to handle errors universally or um, do them have an error state in your store. So we're going to skip that for now, but just know that you have the option, a lot of options there with error handling. So now we've modified state. Now, how do we read that state in our components? I mentioned things like checking whether the user was authenticated in order to display different parts of the UI. And in NGRX, we read state through things called selectors. And selectors are basically pure functions that let us read parts of the store. And because it's based on RxJS, they stay up to date in real time. So when we're doing this in regular Angular, when we're going and trying to control the UI with authentication in regular Angular, we again would look to our service. We would try to see in our service whether we're authenticated, and then we would read that state in the components just through the service. Like we had mentioned the behavior subject before with the token or a Boolean for is authenticated stored in memory in the service. When it comes to NGRX, it's, it looks a little bit different because we're using selectors. So again, we've got our NGRX architecture here where we've got our reducers changing the state and our effects and our auth service handling the side effects. And the selectors live over here. The selectors are what let us read our state into our components. So let's look at how to define some of those selectors for the sake of authentication. So we're going to have a few different selectors. Here we've got a select user selector, where we can go and just get state.user. 
We're going to do the same thing with is authenticated. And these are the pure functions that get turned into the selectors. I misspoke a little bit. So we can select is authenticated from our state, and we can also select our access token from the state. And then we would actually just go through and create selectors from those pure functions. So we've got a selector for the user, a selector for the access token, and a selector for is authenticated. And these will basically become observables that we can then subscribe to in the components to know that state. OK, so we've talked about a lot of things pertaining to token authentication, but we actually haven't even discussed the authentication service itself or how to go get those calls. Like you might be using um, Identity Server or Auth0 or any number of authentication providers to generate your tokens and keep track of the session, uh, but we haven't even mentioned that yet. And that's because the authentication service is going to look a little bit different than you're used to in regular Angular. So we talked about how we have both state and side effects in an NGRX application. And we need some sort of bridge between those two. We had talked about side effects being things like going and making those calls to the API. And then somehow, we need to take the result of those calls and put them into our store. So for NGRX, that's what effects do. Effects are the bridge between the state and the side effects. So let's compare this to regular Angular. We had mentioned a little bit about the authentication service before. And in the authentication service in regular Angular, we'd probably do something like this, where we'd have our authentication client that has a handle redirect callback. And we probably will change that into either a promise or an observable or something like that. Most uh, SDKs are promise-based, so you end up doing a lot of conversion between observables and promises in Angular. So in the auth service, when we're calling that handle redirect function, it ends up being a very large function. We end up doing quite a lot of work in our authentication service in this handle redirect function. So we have this big function, and we go and say, you know, hey, if we have a valid code here, then we're going to um, do this crazy thing where we handle the redirect callback in order to process the token and pull out the URL. And then we run combined latest to, at the same time, go get the user and run our is authenticated um, <laughs> observable. And then once all that's done and we subscribe to that, then after that, we go and navigate the user to the target route. So the target route was up here. It usually comes from our response from the SDK for, the, for authentication that we're using. And then we're getting the user, calling is authenticated, and updating those values, and then navigating the user to the route. So this is all happening in the authentication service in a regular Angular application. And it's it's there's a lot happening just in this one function here for when we have our redirect. In NGRX, this, get, gets, this gets broken up into a bunch of different places. So in NGRX, in the authentication service, we're, we're probably still going to have this observable of handle redirect callback. But our, our uh, service is going to look more like this, where we're going to have a, an observable for uh, handle redirect callback from the SDK. And we're going to do the same thing with the other methods. So we've got an, uh, a function on our SDK called get user 
that we're going to turn into an observable. And we've got a function for logging in and a function for logging out. And so if you notice, this service is basically just a wrapper for the SDK. There's, there's not actually much business logic happening here in the auth service. And that's because in, in NGRX, we don't really need to do that much in our services. Instead, that bridge that we're looking for, for state and side effects, is actually the effects. So instead of doing all of our business logic in the authentication service, we're going to rely a lot on our effects to sort of act as the intermediary between our state and our side effects. So if we go back and look at our flow again, where we log in and get sent over to the provider and sent back over to the application, and then we have our success and our error, and then we have our success with our pieces of state and our redirect URL, there's quite a lot of side effects happening there in order to make that happen. So we're going to end up having effects for a number of these things. For example, the login. When we click the login button, or if it's happening when we first start, but when we click the login button, we're going to need an effect that listens for the login action. We're going to dispatch the login action from a button or something. And then once that happens, we're going to call our auth services login function, which will probably just be a pass through to our SDK login function. And then since there's no further action dispatched here, we're going to set this dispatch to false. And then the handle redirect is going to look a little different as well. So we're going to have an effect that will listen for the handle redirect action. And then we'll have an exhaust map that handles some of that business logic. So we'll have, uh, uh, we'll call that handle redirect function that's on our service. And that's going to return our redirect URL. And if it does, we can dispatch our handle redirect success action with the redirect URL as the payload. And if it fails, then we can run catch error and dispatch a handle redirect failure action with the error as the payload. So then once we've got our success, then that's when we need to navigate the user. So instead of doing that in the authentication service, we're going to do that with an effect because it's a side effect. So we're going to listen for handle redirect success. And then we're going to just call the navigator, the router navigator, and send us over to the redirect URL. And again, here, there's no other action being dispatched. So we're just going to have dispatch of false. So then we've got check authentication. And this looks like a lot, but let me break it down. So we've got an effect here for check auth. And check auth is going to run anytime we either run dispatch the uh, check auth action directly or when we have handle redirect success. Because we want to make sure that we set is authenticated to true if the redirect was successful and we have a token and everything. So this is kind of the nice thing about effects is we can set up these systems to run at different points so we don't have to duplicate a bunch of code. So when either of these actions get dispatched, then we're going to have this concat map that calls our is authenticated observable on our service. That's going to return the Boolean of whether it's true or false. And if it's true, we can dispatch check auth success. 
And if it's false, we can dispatch set not authenticated. Similarly, we can do a similar effect to load the user. So we'll have an effect for load user. And this can also run on both loading the user, dispatching load user, or when we dispatch check, check auth success. This can sort of all run in parallel. And that way, for both load user and check auth, if we need to do them just one at a time, like maybe we need to go check the, uh, check the user after a certain timeout or reload the profile or something, we can do that, or we can have it as part of the entire login flow. So on either of those actions, we get this exhaust map that will call the authentication service for get user, and then that'll return the user, and we can dispatch load user success. So now we've handled all of those pieces of state that were from our success um, from the redirect. So you can see how um, all of these can interact with each other. Instead of being this like linear um, path that the vanilla Angular service used, where it's sort of like one, two, three, in NGRX, we have this ability to run these things in different, in different parallel versions or um, isolated which is really nice and really powerful. So you can see now how the authentication service is just sort of this thin layer where the effects are really doing all of the heavy lifting in the application. So effects are sort of like the brain of the authentication flow. I also like to say that the effects are like the DJs of the authentication flow. Like they're, they're running the show basically. Okay, so I've hit you with a lot of information. You really do sound like Mike Ryan when you say that. <laughs> Effects are the gluten of the NGRX bread. <laughs> well, Mike is really good at coming up with those analogies. I uh, really appreciate that about him. I just feel like I have to, I have to channel uh, Brandon Roberts and just go, oh, every time you make one of those yeah. comparisons. It's true. It's true. Okay, so we had said from the beginning that authentication in NGRX looks different than authentication in vanilla Angular. And this is because, this is part of why it can be incredibly daunting and scary to start to add authentication to an NGRX application. It's just a different type of feature development than you're used to in regular Angular. Uh, but for some reason, we don't, we, we think of authentication as such a different subject that we don't think of it in this in the same way as if somebody said like, "Hey, add uh, you know a new CRUD, a new set of CRUD calls to this application." You would think of it a little bit differently when you're approaching it with NGRX. So, looking at the way we architect applications in NGRX really helps then when you're trying to translate that into authentication. So, one last time, we'll see the login flow where we log in and get sent to the provider and get sent back to the application and then process some sort of success and error. We've now seen how that breaks down into um, effects and state and things like that. So when we look at this with regular Angular, we remember we put most of that stuff into the authentication service. And that authentication service is what interacted directly with the data services and the components and things like that. Whereas with NGRX, we have our state and our side effects that we have to keep track of. So we reviewed how instead of having this thick authentication service layer that's talking to our data services and our components, we actually used it as more of like a wrapper for the SDK that then the effects are going to interact with. And then our reducers will handle the state changes 
and will read those state changes with selectors. And I said how this is sort of like the difference between walking versus riding a bike. And you could you could really see that with the handle redirect where the the process was very linear in the Angular service where we had to do one and then the other and then the other. Whereas in NGRX, this was a much more independent cyclical process where different events could trigger different changes in state. So we've got our setup there. And we learned also how effects are the bridge between the state changes and the side effects and events. And the biggest takeaway from this is probably that effects are the DJ of authentication for NGRX. So you can find- uh, That's it. You're not allowed to spend any more time with Mike Ryan. <laughs> no, it's gone too far, Sam. It's gone too far. We actually, man, I don't know. I think the next time we'll see each other is probably NGConf. I don't think we'll actually be doing anything together until then. <laughs> but- uh, He's going to be, uh, he's gonna, Justin, Justin, you, it's your, you're going to see him next week in Colorado. You have to talk to him about this whole Sam Jolene thing. And you seem to tell him- Am I seeing Mike Ryan or Sam next week? I don't know. You'll Sometimes never know. it's hard to tell, but you're seeing Mike Ryan and you need to talk to him about his behavior with this whole, <laughs> you know, actions are the glue and it's just gone. Just tell him it's just gone too far. It's gone too far. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll see what I can do. Uh, so yeah. That's it. That was the last slide. That's it. I'm, I'm kind of sad it's over. I got to tell you, Sam, after seeing that whole entire thing, and I've known you for a long time, and I, I just, I, I just, I'm just seeing how far you've come because when we first met, we were both such a mess, and and like you're so professional, and I remember, remember when we first started with like the whole NG Houston, and and we, I think it was like the lead, one of the first times you ever presented, maybe, or at least yeah. on YouTube, and the, and it was. I was a mess. And now you just look so professional. So I just want to tell you that. Um, I, thank you. I have learned a lot in those few years. <laughs> you, 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 you just, you, you present very smooth. I mean, you were, it was a really good presentation back then. You were teaching us cool stuff, but now like you're teaching us cool stuff, but you're just like cool as a cucumber, you know, and <laughs> NGRX. And listen, if you guys watching think that Sam's like super smart and he just was born like this, I mean, he is super smart, but he wasn't always this cool. I'm just telling you. I've gotten a lot of practice. It's it's a lot of practice over the last few years of uh, building talks and speaking and presenting and teaching and all that stuff. So, and I'm always happy to pass that information on. I mean, I I'm an open book. If anybody is out there is like, like trying to get into speaking or needs help understanding how to build talks and everything, I'm always happy to to help. I love the way you teach because it's it's like I always tell Justin, I, the, the my favorite teachers take complicated things and just make them seem more simple and just break it down into like regular language. That's not, you know, cause and I did think NGRX was really, really intimidating when I first started trying to learn it, it is. Took me a while to wrap my head around it. But, uh, you and Mike Ryan and just like, it's just, um, it's easier to understand, I think with this kind of explanation. So thank you, Sam. Awesome. Don't let it go to your head though. <laughs> Never. I, I have a question. Sure. So, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring Mike Ryan back up. <laughs> so he's given a talk a few times saying you might not need NGRX. <gasps> yeah. Yes, he's got the, yeah, because that's because that's the word bell influence going in there. So, you, you so be careful. my question is, if you don't have any other use cases within your application where you specifically say, you know what? I really do need NGRX. 
If you don't have any of those, would you still recommend using NGRX for, to handle your authentication within your application? Or would you recommend just going with an auth service if you have no other use cases that would uh, push you towards using NGRX? Oh, yeah, no. Uh, if you're not already using NGRX, then don't add it for the sake of authentication. The, the Angular, like the vanilla Angular authentication is perfectly good. It's just a different mental model than NGRX. So if you don't need NGRX, then yeah, don't use it. It's uh, this no, is sort of because I know there's a lot, a lot of confusion that I've seen people run into is should I be using it? Should I not be using it? And just to help clarify whether or not this is a push you over the edge type thing, or if it's just not just that's not the right way to say, or if it's just a, or if it's a matter of saying that if you're using NGRX, this is an excellent way to model your authentication. Uh, yeah, right. that's what it is. I, I mean, I, I tend to be of the mindset that you probably don't need NGRX unless, you're doing, unless your application is very large and event-driven and things like that. NGRX is really, really good for like very heavily event-driven, complex applications. But for like your average CRUD application or line of business application, you probably don't need it. You're probably perfectly well off with just Rx. RxJS provides so much uh, state management ability out of the box that you probably don't need NGRX for, for most Unless stuff. Unless you love so what, so what you're saying again is you agree with Mike Ryan. <laughs> well, well, I can He's get around this one because right? that means we, we both agree with Dan Abramov, who originally wrote... You might not need Redux. That's uh, uh, the originator okay. of that. Okay. It's an inheritance thing. Got you. It's an inheritance, a prototypical inheritance. Yeah. But I think one takeaway you can take from this content, right, is that you could, if you're not using NGRX, you could apply a similar type of pattern to your authentication service. So you show the vanilla Angular, you show the, the NGRX, and you could say, hey, I'm not using NGRX, but I'm still going to implement this kind of observable event kind of pattern on my own, hand roll it, and you could get to that as well. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great point. You you, you can totally do that with like behavior subjects and and um, instead, basically just sort of break it apart a little bit more than sort of the average vanilla Angular approach. Like when you show the authentication service and how you had it changed a bit, right? And you had behavior subjects in that, like, Somebody can take that and use that, and then just instead of using NGRX to interact with that, just straight interact with that and, and get kind of a happy solution as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I have two, two questions or two things I wanted to touch on. Um, the first, uh, maybe we can pull back up the slides or just talk about it a bit, but uh, there was one point at which you used exhaust map versus concat map, and I thought it might be a good little uh, point that we can kind of artic articulate or identify some nugget of RxJS logic that we can kind of think about of why we might want to use the two, right? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. I could pull up the slide. Let me see. I'm just going to, I won't. Uh, While you're bringing those up, just do this. And talking of your slides, they are amazing. The transitions between the slides were beautiful. Oh, thanks. Mm -hmm. um, the gifts. Thank you. Okay, I, you have my screen up. Okay, so <clears throat> the the main thing with exhaust map is that exhaust map will 
ignore everything after the first request until it completes. So exhaust map, basically, uh, what, what's nice about it is you don't get the same, um, like if somebody is clicking log in a whole bunch or log out a whole bunch, um, you don't really want to fire off that event a whole bunch of times in a row. Uh, you, you really only need it to happen once and see whether it was successful or not. So whereas concatmap, uh, where did I use concatmap? Concatmap will, where, where'd it go? Do, 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 do. I think it was maybe towards. They have selected. Oh, here it is. Yeah, you're right. So concatmap will execute things, execute the requests in order. Um, but it will go ahead and run through them all. And so it's sort of like, it's a nuance. I mean, you don't, you don't, it's not always critical to determine whether or not you need exhaust map or cat map. In this example though, it is important that we get the, the latest value of check authentication. So for example, if this, um, if this gets run a bunch of times in a row, and somewhere, for some reason, the user gets logged out somehow. Uh, this, this is like so, somewhat of an edge case, but it's something to consider as you're building an application. You don't want, if the first value of this was true, but then somewhere along the way, um, the user got logged out. If you were to use exhaust map here, you might not find that out. You might only get the the first one because the other requests are going to be ignored in the meantime whereas here it is important that we know exactly what the latest value of check auth is just in case that user got logged out it's not very likely uh, but it's just an example of a time where you want to think about that you end up using exhaust map a lot in buttons because a lot of times you don't want to uh, fire off you know if, if a button is triggering an api call you might not really care to um, send that out all at, the, uh, all at the same time. You only want one. So there's a lot of nuance there between like exhaust map and switch map and concat map and things like that. Um, I hate to bring up Mike Ryan again, <laughs> but in our we gave a talk in Las Vegas uh, that was actually about the group by operator, but a, a big chunk of that talk was in the beginning we go through and illustrate the differences between exhaust map and concat map and switch map and show you sort of the, the use cases and the pitfalls with each of those. So we can add a, we should add a link to the, to the show notes about of that, of that talk. Cause, um, we're pretty proud of it. Nice. You should be, it was an amazing talk. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for explaining that. I think that's a helpful tip that everybody can kind of pull away from this that we had an example for that was really cool. Yeah. The other question I had, it was along lines and, and we don't have to dig in too deep into this because it's pretty complicated, I'm sure. Uh, but how do we, how does this play in, in terms of is authenticated in this scenario? Like what's stopping me from just setting myself to authenticated, right. And running that action. Like how does the actual, authentication rules come into play in there. Yeah, so so <laughs> this this will depend heavily on what 
service you're using. So for example, with Auth0, the, the SDK that you use in Angular apps, um, it will handle like calling out to the authentication service to see if you're um, authenticated and it will handle setting the user and then internally, like actually in the Auth0 SDK, it does derive, um, is authenticated from whether there's a user present. It's just that it has safeguards to know whether that user is stale or not, you know, because it's it's going to check the session um, when you first open the app or when you first um, refresh or whatever. It's going to go check the session and get the user if one doesn't exist and then set the, the is authenticated Boolean to true. Whereas if you were just um, deriving it on your own, and maybe your authentication provider um, you know, maybe you're trying to persist that user profile. You might try to persist that user profile in memory somehow, or um, so you just want to link them together so that you're certain that you know if you're controlling a big part of your your UI just based on this single boolean, it's dangerous to to just like assume like, well, it's it's set to true, so there must it must be true. <laughs> you know, like you'd probably run into errors because if you were depending on a profile or an access token or something like your app would end up breaking, but it's just a way to sort of be like really consistent in your in your UI um, to ensure that you've got a lot of checks. Maybe maybe I'm being overly cautious, but I feel like sometimes uh, I think when it comes to these things, it's okay to be overly cautious. You know. Nice. Fully agree. <laughs> I agree. All right. Cool. Well, we're getting to the top of the hour. So uh, I think that is it in terms of our content. Should we do some picks and then wrap it up? Sure. Yeah, unless there's any final sayings on authentication that anyone wants to get in there last minute. All right. All right, let's do some picks. Panelists, anybody have any picks today? Bonnie? I, I, I always feel like I go um, everywhere fun and, and, and sometimes I feel bad, but I am actually really having a uh, fear of missing out because there's something happening next week that I will not be at, but I'm sad. Um, uh, Angular Colorado in Denver with the cool, fun Freebug people. Cause I really love the Freebug people. Um, Kim, Sam, you know, Kim will be there. Mike I do Ryan know. will be there. Justin Schwarzenberger will be there. Like all the cool kids. Mike Harding, Justin, will you give Mike Hardington a big, big hug for me? And Andrea Wilson, just give her a big hug. Tell her I love her. Lucas Rubelkey. Yeah. Yes, I will. I will. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to be sad to miss it. Um, but tell everybody I said hi. And also, by the way, there are still tickets available to you guys. Uh, Angular Den AngularColorado.com. It's going to be cool. And Shorty will be there. I will. I will be there. I'm a last minute. But you're on the other side. Shorty will be there, you guys. <laughs> uh, last minute fill-in, so I'm rushing to get two talks prepared. CSS is the destiny of an Angular dev. It's got to be cool. Yeah, that's, so that's cool. my lightning talk. Confronting CSS is the destiny of an Angular dev. So it's a 10-minute talk. And that's for the development track. And then the now you got me talking about it, so I might as well say it. Uh, so for the management track, uh, it's focused on managers and team leads and stuff. And it's going to be uh, improving team uh, performance by working components in isolation. So I thought you were going to say improving team performance with daily beatings. 
No, I do not advocate that at all. <laughs> I love the developer track and management manager track. Like if you're not a dev, but you want to like learn about some of this stuff, or if you used to be a dev a long time ago and you don't even write code anymore, there's like a whole track for me. I just think that's so innovative. Yeah, that'd be really cool. So like, so some of the talks are geared towards helping team management and, and, uh, understand these concepts and then the other ones for devs like we kind of see like at ng-comp and things like that right where it's actually specific about implementation and stuff so yeah it should be interesting tell mike ryan that we love him i will be sure to give mike hardington a hard time just okay. harass all the mics on our behalf just, just all the regular stuff okay yeah you can chill like rocky and harass we really get them all together awesome so that's my pick i'm sorry okay cool mike do you have any picks or I am pickless today. That's quite all right. I don't think I have any picks either. So, Sam, our guest, do you have any picks? Yeah, I'll 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 give a pick. Um, I um, I'm an automation nerd when it comes to computers and things like that, and saving time. And I've mentioned this in other contexts, but I was thinking about. Uh, probably the most useful tool I found for me last year is something called Text Expander. And Text Expander basically lets you create little snippets. It's sort of like snippets in Visual Studio Code or other IDEs, but it's across your entire system and across multiple devices in the cloud. And so you can do things like, I mean, I have everything from like my TSA known traveler number to like my uh, like freaking flyer numbers and then like code snippets or like I can just do um, like VIR and it will translate to import react, you know, or like I can uh, have an email signature saved and just type like ZEM and it like pastes in my email signature. Um, and it's also really pro uh, programmable. Uh, you can, you can program it. There's like, uh, it, you can program it with JavaScript. You can also um, uh, combine snippets, and all, it's like it's really really cool, and it's not super expensive. So, I would say that's like that tool has saved me more time in the last year than a lot of other fancier things have. So, highly recommend it. And what What's was the name? Again? It's called Text Expander. Text Expander. Okay. Yeah. That sounds very cool. I can already see, like, you mentioned the import statement, right? And you're like, well, how, why would I want to have code outside of my IDE? But I mean, I immediately think, well, when I'm in Slack or I'm talking to yeah. someone, I certainly share code there, right? So all these other places where you might want to, yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly useful. Also useful for things that you uh, tend to misspell, like somebody's name or like something like that. You can just have a snippet. Um, and that way, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Main use case I have. And I said this because my Gboard on my uh, Pixel phone, if I just type MB for my email address, my email address pops up as one of the options uh, that I can just tap on it. So I don't have to type my email address. So putting that in there as something that's helpful. Yeah. I can certainly use that for my last name wherever I have to type that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for real. I think I had one. I think I had JS as a snippet in VS Code, Justin, for your name. That's yeah, a great use for it. Yeah, a lot of characters. All right, that's all. Hey, Sam, thanks a ton for sharing your time, coming on, sharing this content. We really appreciate uh, your time. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, 
happy to. For sure, for sure. And we're going to have to have you on again for another topic. So Sure. For sure. Happy Come to. back soon and often and teach us cool stuff. Happy yeah. to. Love it. All right. That's a wrap, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.